You know, it's been uh, quite an unusual couple of weeks. You know, 10 days ago, I was sitting at the Ethos office working on a sermon for a new sermon series that I thought I would be preaching that Sunday. And now two Sundays in a row, I've preached to a camera and through the means of video and um, has not looked at all like what I thought it would. You know, and I've found myself watching the news and seeing things unfold all around me that seem unprecedented, things that we've never encountered before in our lifetime. And it's just an unusual time to be alive. And as I've been looking at the headlines and seeing all the things that are coming out, there was a, a, a headline that caught my eye this week um, and got my attention. And I went and read this article and I was shocked. You know, it was, it was Andrew Cuomo, who's the, the, the governor of the state of New York, and he was being interviewed, and he was talking about just what this experience has been like. He's been very out front uh, and, and how he's tackling this in his state. And in this interview, he said, you know, he said, we're fighting the virus, and we're fighting panic and fear. And he said, the fear and panic is, if anything, worse than the virus. And I was like shocked to read that, to read this man making this public statement. You know, this is a guy who in his state, as of last night, there were over 10,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus in his state. Over 50 people have died in his state. And here he is on national television and saying, hey, you know, if anything, the fear and panic is worse than the virus. Like, what is going on here? You know, and yet this is what I continue to kind of sense all around me, no matter where I look. I've, I've talked with several people in our church who are medical professionals, and I've seen this online as well, where medical professionals are saying, hey, we're seeing as many or more presentations of acute anxiety disorder as we are of virus symptoms. You know, it's like all of, we hear this and we go, okay, yeah, we think we know this, like, right? Like, like fear and panic seems to be one of the biggest things that our nation is wrestling with. And it's kind of interesting because at a time and place in our nation where we seem to be more divided than we ever have in our lifetime, like our nation is just so polarized. Isn't it ironic that now it seems to be that we can finally come together around the idea of fear and panic? Like in a nation that's divided, fear and panic seems to be this thing that we all relate to. And yet one of the things I've found as I've been online and looked at how we're all responding to this is that we're even finding a way to be divided about fear and panic. I mean, I, I've seen it, you know, online. We're, we're throwing and lobbing grenades at one another in social media. And for some people, the fear and panic, it's all about the virus. You know, it's, man, I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm, what if I get sick? What if a loved one gets sick? What if my grandparents get sick? You know, what if the hospital doesn't have enough supplies? And there's all these what-if statements that are building up and producing very real fear and anxiety. And then on the other side, there are some who are going, I, I, they're not, they don't feel as fearful, as panicked about the virus so much as the economic implications of all of this. And there are those who uh, seem to be okay. They think the virus is going to come and go, but man, they're looking at our economy and going, oh my goodness, what is going to happen if we keep doing this? And, and somehow, some way, in the midst of all this, we've found a way to even be divided about what we should be fearful and panicked about. You know, I'm, I'm convinced that as followers of Jesus, in a time like this, in our nation, in our world, where we are gripped by fear, panic, and division— there's no greater act that we can do than come together over the cup and the bread, the body and the blood of Jesus, the act of communion. You know, this, this act of communion is, it's a pretty significant thing in the history of the church. You know, we have this, this act, this symbol that we do, these emblems that point us way back to the roots of our history and who we are and where we find our identity. 
You know, you go all the way back to Luke chapter 22, Jesus is gathered in a room with some of his closest friends, much like many of you are, many of us are right now. We're gathered in a smaller space. Jesus wasn't like this huge worship gathering when he instituted the Lord's Supper. He's gathered in a room with his friends, and he holds out this piece of bread. This is Luke 22, verse 19. It says, he took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he said to them, this is my body given for you. Do this to remember me. Do this to remember me. It says in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant, the new promise of God's relentless love of humanity. He says, this is my blood of the new covenant. He says, he says, do this to remember me. My blood's been poured out for you. And so, you know, some 2,000 years ago, Jesus institutes this amazing little meal that represents the gospel. It represents the good news of God's love for humanity. You know, we could call this the gospel meal. And here's what I love about the gospel meal, okay, is that the gospel meal has persevered. You think about how these little emblems, these simple things, bread and a cup, how it has lasted over the ages. It's like, you know, Jesus instituted it at a time and place where the, the primary authority in the world was the Roman Empire. In fact, they would even play a part in putting him on a cross and crucifying him. And yet some 400 or so years later, that empire would begin to crumble and it would fall, but the gospel meal and the message of the gospel would persevere. And you keep going on throughout history. And what do you find? You find every empire that has risen and fallen, what has persevered? The gospel and this meal to remember the gospel. Every form of oppression and resistance has come and gone, and the gospel has carried on. Every totalitarian regime that would seek to squash out the gospel and silence the seed of the gospel has risen and fallen, but the cup and the bread, the gospel meal, has persevered. Every single natural disaster that has been unleashed on the earth has come and gone, but the gospel has persevered. Guys, the gospel meal has lasted in the face of every outbreak, every virus, every disease, everything that would threaten humanity. The gospel has stood firm for 2,000 years. That when you pick up this cup and this bread, it, it's not just this little thing that we do. It's not an empty ritual. It's not something we do in passing, guys. It's this reminder it's this reminder that Jesus started this thing. And I love what Hebrews 13.8 says. Hebrews 13.8 says, it says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He's the picture of perseverance. And that as we take the bread and as we take the cup, we do that because we are the body of Jesus. You know, we literally, in communion, we, we take Jesus' body, we take his perseverance, his peace into ourselves. This reminder that he is in us and we are in him. Guys, as we come to the bread and the cup today, it's so much more even than just remembering Jesus. It is this moment of acknowledging that, man, Jesus is with you. He is with you. As you take the bread, as you take the cup, it's this moment of realizing some of you have been sitting maybe in an apartment by yourself, feeling isolated and lonely all week. And did you know that as you take the bread and the cup, Jesus is right there with you. I mean, he is with you nearer than you can even begin to understand. His perseverance, his peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, and the peace he longs to give you transcends your understanding. And so as we take the cup and take the bread, it is a moment with Jesus. Now, how do we approach this moment? 
How do we come to this moment with Jesus together in communities scattered across our nation and the world? There's a couple quick things, I think, that we acknowledge before we come to him. You know, I love Psalm 139. I mean, it's one of my favorite passages. Those of you who hear me preach often, you know, you probably get sick of me talking about Psalm 139. I just love it so much. But there's this moment near the end of Psalm 139 where David, he says, test me, God. He says, search me, know my heart, know me. He says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Did you know that God actually wants to know your anxious thoughts? He, he cares, like he wants to know about the things that are keeping you up at night. He wants to know about the things that are causing that shortness of breath as you've been worried and feeling panicked and anxious. He wants to know all of it. He doesn't want you to hide it or pretend that it's not there. As you come to him over communion, he longs to know. So in communion, we come, we don't pretend we're fine. We come and we acknowledge our anxious thoughts. We share them with the Lord. It's not just about our anxious thoughts. I love what James chapter 5 says. It says, confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. There's this invitation all throughout the gospel to confess our sins because Jesus is able to forgive. He has forgiven and will forgive. And so as we come to communion, it's also this place of forgiveness. You know, there are some of us this morning as we come to the cup and the bread, that over this last week we've faced unique circumstances and sometimes we've responded well and sometimes we haven't. Some of us this morning, we need to confess the places where we have been resentful or bitter or spiteful towards other people. Some of us have said things with our mouths towards others that we shouldn't have. Some of us maybe have posted things online that we probably shouldn't have. Some of you probably in isolation, some old vices and sins that you've been wrestling with forever have been bubbling to the surface. Things that you thought you'd done away with have just become more rampant. Some of you have looked at content online that you know you shouldn't have. Some of us have, in the face of anxiety and fear, we've turned to alcohol or other substances to kind of try to numb it out instead of just bringing it to Jesus. And as we come to communion, it's this place of going, Jesus, I've looked elsewhere other than you, but I want to look to you. So we confess it. We bring our anxieties. We put it in the open. We confess our sins. And yet there are some of you probably watching this even who you're, you're not sure if you're even following Jesus. You're not sure if you believe and this morning, as we all come together around communion, if you're watching this video and that's where you're at, man, I just want to implore you again. I said this last week. There is a reason that Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. You know, these, these little things that we Christians do every week, the body and the blood, the cup and the bread, it's this picture of the, the relentless pursuit that God has for humanity. He loves you so much. He loves you in, in ways that you can't even fathom. He loves you. And he invites you. He says, I have peace for you. I have peace to give you. I have peace that you can only begin to even try to imagine. You can't understand what he longs to give you. And I would just say this morning, if you're not following Jesus or you're not sure where you stand with Jesus, man, just pray. Talk to him. Tell him. Say, God, I need your peace. And I come to you in Jesus. Just ask him. Say, Jesus, will you give me your peace? And if you want to take a next step with Jesus, man, put it in our comment section. <laughs> there are several of us online right now that we will follow up with you. We'll figure out a way to help you how to take a next step with Jesus because he's holding a peace out to you that is only accessible through his death and his resurrection. He is hope for us all. So here's what we're going to do as we come to communion. You know, ideally, if we are all together in one room, 
you know, I would take five to 10 minutes to let all of us just process this together, take the cup and the bread and confess our sins and share our anxieties and pray for one another. But the live kind of venue uh, limits us a little bit in what we're able to do. And so here's what we wanna do. In a minute, I'm gonna pray over the bread and the cup. There's gonna be a simple prayer that's gonna come up on the screen. And I just invite you wherever you are, whoever you're with, just say that simple prayer out loud. Say that simple prayer out loud. Um, and then after you say it, take the bread and take the cup. If you're by yourself, say that simple prayer out loud and know that Jesus is there with you and you are united with hundreds of believers around the world right now that are doing this with you. And then we'll give about 60 seconds or so uh, for you to take the bread and the cup. And then Andrew's gonna come on and kind of commission us out from here. But here's what I wanna say to you is that just because the, the, the video ends does not mean that church is over. What I wanna invite all of us to is right now when the video ends, Take the time to do what we've just talked about. Talk about what is causing you anxiety. What are you worried about? What are you fearful of? Talk about it. What sins do you need to confess? Pray with one another and encourage one another as long as it's called today. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you. Thank you that you gave us this unbelievably simple thing a little bit of bread, the fruit of the vine, the cup, the juice, the wine. Thank you that after 2,000 years, Jesus, you're still with us. Your peace perseveres. As we take the cup, as we take the bread, draw near to us, encourage us, speak to us, fortify us, strengthen us, give us your peace, give us your presence, and give us your perseverance. We look to you, Jesus, name above all names, Lord of lords, King of kings. It's in your name we pray.